Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can have a seat. You know, it's kind of uh, cool. I I got to, to spend time listen to some great preachers this week, some of my favorite preachers, and, and, uh, and, and it was, it's really nice because they, you know, they, they, they preach and they, they, they really encourage. And, and, uh, and, then, and then it's just, it's just like the, the Word of God just gets in me. You know, I'm able to sit in church and worship and receive God's Word. It just gets in me and it becomes like a fire. Yeah. It is, it, and that's how it works. And I want that to be the same for you. So let God's word be that. So as you prayed that, what you're praying is that God will do something amazing in you today through his word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Get your Bibles, Bible apps, open up to the book of Philippians. So you can flip over to Philippians, you know. I, one time I did a series, which was with a, she wanted as a children's pastor. I called it Flipping Through Philippians. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I, are you guys proud of me? I mean, that was my own invention. Flipping through Philippians. Yeah, and, and we actually had some gymnastic people come in and do flips, and it was kind of fun. I had nothing to do with Philippians, but it was just, it's just kind of a play on words. We have no gymnastics today, uh, but, uh, but I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And if you have some notes, I'd love for you just to jot a few things down because I do believe God speaks to you. Hey, here, here's the question. Do you want to soar in life? Do you? I mean, the truth is we all do. And this series of messages that we're in right now, it, it's, it's answer, it really asks this question, do you want to settle or do you want to soar? And I want us to think intuitively and I want us to think spiritually about this. Now, here's the truth. I'm a pastor, and so the messages I bring you are very pastoral-oriented. I'm kind of like Daddy Tim, okay? I'm Papa Tim. I'm Papa Timoteo. You know, call me whatever you want. But I want you, because I'm your pastor, I want you to have an insatiable desire to soar, to soar like an eagle. It's a desire that consumes you. You know, there's a big difference between eagles and chickens. Eagles soar, chickens scratch, don't they? Now, again, I I know about chickens. I know about chickens from my childhood days in Hobbs, New Mexico, and in Odessa, Texas. Anyone lived in Hobbs or Odessa? Look, no, no, no oil people out here. Okay, see, good. Look, kind of ish, close by. I don't, I don't want to hear where you're from. Yeah, that's just, it gets kind of weird out that part of the country anyway. But, but we lived out in the country and we didn't have very much uh, growing up. And, and, uh, but, but we did have chickens and we, had, we grew our own vegetables. We had big, big, big gardens and we grew our own vegetables, but we also raised our own chickens. And so we had fresh eggs and we had fresh chicken for dinner. And I was happy about that. But I always thought it was amazing because as a kid, you can get out there and just enjoy the, the life of, of living out there in the country. And, and, and I, I couldn't 
just, just, just so the bizarre, the how a little bit of thin chicken wire could literally enslave these chickens. And, and I, was, I was just just baffled at how they would, some of them would just strut around acting like they were something. You know, it's like, I'm going to be eating you here in a few weeks. I mean, come on. And how they would sometimes get mad at each other and squabble and fight. And, you know, it's like, who's going to be the supreme chicken? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just keep working out, you know, so we have more meat on you. Oh, whatever. But, but, and then, then I thought something else was weird. They would willingly give up their eggs. I mean, it's like their future offspring. And, and you know, I, here I am, a little seven-year-old boy, and I learned, you know, after a while, it's like, yeah, you can just reach right into the chicken, grab the egg, and they're just going to look at you and go, well, whatever, I guess that's not for me. You know, in my, I, I don't know, maybe you have an affection for chickens, but I grew up around them, and I think chickens are stupid birds. They're stupid birds with their heads to the ground. And, and uh, you know, it's just, it's just like they give up their young and they're just kind of strutting around waiting to be the next meal of fried chicken, which was our favorite growing up. But I don't want you to be like a chicken. You know, eagles aren't like that. You, you can't take an egg from an eagle's nest. You really can't. And if you were to try that, I bet you would get some intense resistance, right? You know, their their nests are really high up and and in fact, I've never even known of anyone to get an eagle egg other than, you know, Nacho Libre. And I, I think that's one of my favorite scenes. And then, of course, he does get eagle powers at the end. And, and I, it's, that I, actually, for those of you who don't know, that is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I don't know, but it's, it's just been in Mexico too much. And it's just, I love it. I relish it. But, uh, but you know, the thing is, eagles, they, they're majestic. They're just, they, they soar. And I want you to be like an eagle. I want you to soar. I'm your pastor. And I want I want you to aim for success and I want you to, to get that blessing from God. I also want you to take your failure in stride and not let your failure define you or destroy you. I want you to bust out of your chicken coop. But when a person begins to find success, well, new challenges begin and we tend to want to rest on that success. We kind of carry around our trophies as ribbons and we show off uh, how amazing we are and we kind of settle for the success. And I think that's a huge mistake. I want to just tell you, never settle into success. Really, I mean, celebrate success for a day. Celebrate your small successes, celebrate your huge successes, and then lay your head down on the pillow and let it go because tomorrow's going to be a new day and yesterday's successes do not guarantee today's success. They don't. And in the same way, you know, do, do not settle into your failures. Let go of your failures. When you lie to your head down on the pillow at night, let it go. Because tomorrow's a new day and yesterday's failure must not define you and you can't let it destroy you. A few years ago, uh, a lot of people around me uh, said that I had success in ministry work. And it was while I was pastoring in the Kansas City area. And, you know, they looked at outward signs and, and it, did, you know, it, it looked good. And I guess, and I could have settled into it. It was, a, it was a wonderful time. I knew God was using it to prepare me for my next step. But, but I, had, I, you know, I had my own television program on Sunday mornings on the local ABC channel, Channel 2. It was called KQ2. And it was 30 minutes of Tim preaching and, and talking. And, and we launched a 24-hour prayer center where we prayed we'd pray day and night. We opened up a second campus. And, and, and our, we had a huge compassion outreach out of our church, providing more food for hungry families than anyone else in the area. I mean, the 
church that I pastored uh, was the largest in our fellowship of churches in the whole northern Missouri district. And I sat on the board of regents at North Central University in Minneapolis, which meant my sons could have gotten free tuition and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was well known in the region. And all that's good and fine. But, and, and really, God was honored through all of it. But little of it is what I would define for me as success. You see, because for me, since I was 18 years old, I felt I was to be involved in church planting. And here I was, pastoring this big church on TV, moving into my 40s, and I thought I was getting really old at that point. <laughs> and I wasn't fulfilling my deeper purpose and calling. And I did the unthinkable. I, uh, and when I did it, the truth is I lost a lot of friends. I lost, I, I lost respect from people. Um, and many people thought I was a fool. I let go of what a lot of people perceived to be success. I resigned my positions. Preston was happy about me resigning from the Board of Regents at North Central University because he says, Dad, does this mean I don't have to go to college up there where it's so stinking cold I'm going to freeze? I said, yes, son. He goes, thank you, God, you know. <laughs> I resigned the church I pastored, and I felt compelled to let it go. Because I felt God saying three things to me, really clear. I felt it in my spirit, I, and, but, but they, they kind of had the resemblance to failure. I felt God saying, resign your ministry, go back home to the Metroplex, and start something new in the heart of a large southern city. That's it. And, and I was told, even by other pastors, that I was crazy. And the truth is, some people never spoke to me again after I resigned. But I was compelled by God to do those three things. And in fact, taking that step really even led me into one of the darkest and most challenging two and a half years of my life because I didn't have a job down here. I ended up losing my house, my car was towed away, and many of my friends were gone. I was stripped of anything that looked like success. And I still knew it was the right thing to do, but at the same time, I found myself like plunging into depression and I felt all alone. Everything had turned. Everything had changed. You know, here's the deal. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know this, but unless you've been in my shoes, but, but when you're a preacher on TV or you pastor a large church, I mean, there are mean people. There are haters who love to take shots at you. I would open up the newspaper, and they had this little thing in there where people could anonymously send in stuff to the newspaper. And, that, you know, like at least once a week, someone was talk, talking about me. It's like, you just, I, I can't look at the newspaper. And, and you know the truth is some folks just love to scorn you and criticize you, but it's kind of funny. I noticed like a few weeks, I realized that after I had resigned, all the criticism stopped. The, it was eerily silent. I mean, even my haters disappeared. But also, I was glad about that, but even the positive relationships of those that I thought were really with me. And there I was living in an 80-year-old shack in the woods in Midlothian, and I seemed far, far away from anything that looked like the future, yet I knew I was doing the right thing. One day while I was in that shack, I put all of my trophies together. They were, I guess, the boxes of my television program DVDs and all the CDs of my sermons, and I put them into boxes, and I drove that one-mile bumpy dirt road from the shack to Joe Wilson Road in Midlothian, and I left them on the street for the, ta for the uh, trash collectors. 
I decided to toss my past trophies. It's because I knew that the trophies of the past would do nothing for me for the future God had for me. And, and, and uh, that was hard, but it was well, actually, I feel it was one of the best decisions that I made during that time because for some reason, I, I don't know, it just made me feel light and free. <laughs> now, truth is, I do kind of wish I still would have held on to at least a couple of those episodes so I could show you clips of it and we could laugh at me. Because, you know, really by today's standards, I bet that show was absolutely, totally hilarious. But, but uh, you know what? Sometimes we even do that as we're soaring. Now, our case study in today's series or the series of messages is Paul from the New Testament. And Paul is probably one of the most successful writers of all times, at least if we judge by the number of readers. I shared that with you last week. But Paul was also one of the, the thought leaders of the day. He was responsible for the spread of Christianity to the non-Jewish world, which is about the other 99% of the world. And if any writer in history had the right to brag about his success, well, it would have been Paul. And yet, what we see in Paul is just the opposite. See, in one of his letters to a group of leaders in this ancient Greek city of Philippi, he says something amazing, and that's where you turned in your Bibles in Philippians 3, 7, and I want you to hold it because we're going to see lots of things in there. But he, he, he finishes listing this uh, impressive synopsis of all of his accomplishments, and at this point in his life, Paul had achieved a lot of success as a leader, and really, uh, you know, even pe people in the Jewish community, I mean, his Jewish readers would have looked at all this stuff and would be like, holy Moses, you know, I mean, this guy's unbelievable. They, they would have thought that. But here's this powerful twist. Uh, we see that he was strategic with his success. I'll say it again. He was strategic with his success. And he models to us how to do the same, how to really soar. Look at what he wrote. He said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth or value or treasure of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. See, what Paul did is he wrote off all of his accomplishment with some simple strokes of a pen and he removed the shine off of all the trophies that had been given to him and he made it clear that knowing Jesus is ultimate success. Now, now, now I'm telling you, knowing is not, is not just some kind of mental ascent. It's not head knowledge. It means experiencing Jesus. The Greek people, when they read this, they would have known, they would have seen that word. It's, a, it's different than our English word know, but it's kind of the best word that we have for it. But it means to experience Jesus. It means obtaining purpose from Jesus. It means embracing Jesus. It means personally knowing Jesus. Why could Paul do that or why would he want to do that? Well, it's because Jesus forgives. Jesus restores. Jesus forgets your failures. Jesus is cheering you on. Jesus gives you purpose. Jesus causes you to soar. See, Paul knew this is that the greatest threat to soaring really is unbridled success. That's a really a kind of a crazy paradox because the more you grow, the more teachable you are, and then the more you're going to soar, but the more successful you become, the more you are in danger of stagnation. You're in danger of settling and losing your teachability because if you're not strategic with that success like Paul, it will happen to you. For 
really, truly, I would say any success that gets in the way of knowing Jesus actually becomes a curse. That's why if you're going to be insatiable to soar, you need to be strategic with success like Paul. You have to emotionally let the success go and embrace generosity at the same time and lean into Jesus, learn from his spirit, be, be, be full of him and embrace your purpose and just keep chasing after Jesus. That is being strategic with your success. Even Paul, this amazingly successful man, he explained that his pursuit of knowing Jesus was actually a constant day-by-day work and that he had not yet arrived. Because I want you to look at down in verse number 13. He, he says this, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, that's strategic success there, right there for you guys, that's it. And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. I mean, what an example of being strategic with success. Now, the truth is we, we judge one another on perceived success or, uh, and, and even perceived failures. And I, I think that's really dangerous because when we start to judge others regarding success and failures, we end up judging ourselves as well and, 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 and we, we, we begin to destroy ourselves. But then what is success? Um, it's often equated with pleasure, but I would have to say that's really, really, really faulty. Um, you know, Instagram, it tells you how wonderful everyone else's life is, how successful and jam-packed with pleasure their lives are, right? Right? And, and so, you, you know, you, you can either, you, you, can, you can look at that and you're, you're going to begin to either compete with them or want to judge them or get depressed. I was talking to someone the other day. And they just had a real sad look on their face. I said, what's wrong? They said, I was just like looking at Instagram for a long time and I'm all depressed now. You know, I'm telling you, Instagram is a horrible source of emotional vitality. It's a cheap drug. It's going to give you a quick spike of adrenaline and then it'll send you down into depression. So success is a tricky word. For an alcoholic, success might be going one more day without a drink. For a salesperson, success might be closing that lucrative deal that sets you up for six months, you know? And then you died. <laughs> that was serious about that, okay? We always give it to And Preston was also serious about that as well. He was not going to date a girl who was not a tither. That's right, because generosity comes first, amen? Yeah. For a new mother, it might be, success might be sleeping for six hours straight, <laughs> you know? All the ladies are laughing. A lot of the guys are too, because you know it. For a student, it might mean just simply passing that test or it might mean landing that scholarship. But success is a really tough word to define. And it, it, although it's something we all aim for and God wants that for us, and I want that for you. A few, a few years ago, I, ended, uh, I, I was in a conference and uh, it was a conference called Catalyst and I, I was enjoying one of the speakers, the main speaker, and his name is John C. Maxwell. I like that guy. But he was talking about the topic of success and interestingly enough, John never gave a pure definition of success, but he spoke more about how success is really connected to teachability. And, and I looked back at my notes and, and, and I wrote this quote from John and I like it. He says, if you humble yourself and let others teach you, then you'll discover success. In fact, everyone can teach you something. 
he described his personal success in three words, knowing, growing, and sowing. And I wrote it down. He says, for personal success for him is this. It's knowing my purpose in life, growing to my maximum potential, and sowing seeds that benefit others. You, for, for him, that's success. But you look at it, and it's really all built upon being humble and teachable, and it's grounded in a deep dependence upon God with a heart of generosity. And actually, I kind of like his definition of his own personal success. See, if you truly put your focus, like Paul did, into knowing Christ, which means experiencing Jesus and obtaining purpose from God and embracing Jesus and personally, personally knowing him, and letting go of yesterday's trophies, you're going to soar. And Paul sums it all up this way. Basically, Paul says that if you're going to be a grown-up, if you're going to think of yourself as being mature, then take a look at verse number 15. Look at it. It says right here in verse 15, it says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And so basically, all of us who are immature will not take a view of things like this because immaturity can't be generous with blessing. You know, immaturity fights and squabbles over the chicken scratch. Immaturity criticizes the eagles. Being mature means that you know you need God. It means you're, you're gonna go. You're gonna go forward. You're gonna be used by God. And you're gonna allow God to use really anything and everything that he blesses you with to serve and to help other people. Position, title, knowledge, possessions, talents, and time. Whatever you have been blessed with now becomes an instrument of God to use. That's success. Because you're refusing to use those things as trophies. You see it? So you're mature. Which basically means you care more about pursuing God and blessing others than settling into success. In fact, here at City Life, we have our, when we set ourselves up, we, 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 we decided upon some core values that remind us this. We don't ever want to forget this. This is core to our existence, that we need God and we need each other. And that's an attitude of humility. We want that to be woven into the fabric of our church. It helps us. It helps me, all of us, to resist individual pride. And even pride as a church, I mean, should God cause something wonderful, crazy awesome to happen here, we're not going to be proud about it. I tell you what, God does something crazy awesome around here all the time because every Sunday for over two years in our services, people have given their lives to Jesus Christ right here. And I'm glad for that, my friend. But you see, we're going to resist that. We're going to resist pride. And when we do that, God shows up in our gatherings. I want to show you our value of presence. This is important to who we are as a church. It says, we highly value the presence of God while striving to walk in unity and harmony with one another. Let me explain to you how we have it written out of the, how that's actually played out. It it, it says that we know that without the presence of God, we're wasting our efforts in our church. So we call upon the Holy Spirit to be present and active in our lives and in our gatherings. It means we pray around here. We know that God blesses certain settings with his glory. So we choose to embrace one another. Around here, we celebrate diversity where people can belong regardless of their age, ethnicity, culture, or background. Around here, we honor one another without merit, choosing to believe the best about one another. We choose to be slow to speak, 
quick to listen and eager to serve. We choose around here to be united in our hearts and our spirits, assured that no force in hell can tear a unified body apart. And we choose to stand with one another through the joys and the sorrows of life, as well as through our successes and failures. I choose to live that way personally. We choose to exist that way corporately as a church and do church that way. It's, it's, it's about using the success that we have as an instrument of, of blessing others and staying humble at the same time. I'm telling you guys, it also means letting go of those accolades of success and constantly pursuing Jesus. I just love Jesus. In the Passion Translation of the Bible, it, it, it takes Paul's words and it, it illustrates them beautifully in Philippians 3.8. I want you to look at the screens. It's, he says, to truly know him, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all of my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pyre, pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Some of the most talented people in the world today are, they're unteachable and non-reliant upon Jesus. They're soaring on their own success. And it's from professional sports to higher learning institutions to the conference rooms and yes, churches. Why? It's because every one of us, every one of us, we're all tempted on a daily basis to depend too much on ourselves, my skills, my savvy, my connections, my ingenuity, my experience, my strength. And here's Paul, this natural organizer, this respected leader, this passionate religious figure, this, this, this stellar author and writer, this charismatic statesman. He says he didn't put much stock in any of that stuff and nor should we. I want to tell you guys, use your successes and your abilities well. Use them, but don't rely upon them. Rely upon the Holy Spirit because he and he only will really make you soar. Any success you have, it will now become a source of generosity toward other people. You see, if you're insatiable to soar, you're going to be continually generous. Generous, all generosity is just going to flow out of you. Walking through TSA yesterday, and I walked through TSA, and just, I, I don't know, I smile sometimes. I, I smile a lot, and I was just smiling, walking through the TC, TSA, and a lady in New York just looked at me, and she said, that smile just made my day. I said, thank you. She says, that's a beautiful, special smile. I'm like, aw, <laughs> you know. It's like, oh, no, 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 not really. I said, well, I'm glad to make your day. I said, I, I'm sure what you do is gets, you have to deal with some really tough characters. She said, you have no idea. I just smiled at her one more time. I wasn't going to give her a hug or anything like that. I mean, this is TSA. No, 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 no knows what's going to happen there. But you be generous. Generosity flows through you like a river. It's not about waiting till you reach a certain point in life. You don't have to get that goal income. You don't have to have that satisfying relationship or finish off that work project or get that degree. No, generation is now for those who soar. Be generous with anything you have and everything you have, even that smile. 
and you're soaring because you're generous with your time and with your treasures and with your talents. I love what Solomon said. Solomon says, generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings you poverty. Those who live to bless others, I like that. Those who live to bless will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Don't keep it all to yourself. It'll weigh you down. It'll pull you to the ground. It's because the bounty isn't yours anyway. As Preston said earlier, this is a generous church filled with generous people. Around here, we, we, you know, we say, you know, we're, it's, it's not about, it is about equal generosity, but it's not about equal gifts and what we actually do because really the more you're blessed with, the more your, the amount of your generosity increases, but we're all equally generous. But it only works if you start being generous now. I choose and I've always chosen whether I'm up or whether I'm down, whether I'm in, whether I'm out, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad. I'm, I refuse to live my life stingy and selfish. I won't. I can't. I'm not going to do it. Why? It's because I'm in a pursuit of Jesus. And I want, I really, really, really want to be more like Jesus. I've been forgiven by the grace of Jesus. I've been set free from the chains of my spiritual death because of the generosity of God, of Jesus. And I've been given access to the abundance that Jesus possesses. I've been given purpose. No, I, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived just like Paul. And I like it how Paul is quoted in the Passion Translation where it says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Christ Jesus has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. So you see, this thing of soaring is not a once for all event. No, it's a process of continually pursuing Jesus and even continually discovering your purpose more and more every day, totally dependent upon God. Because if you're gonna be insatiable to soar, you've gotta be God dependent. A a standard prayer that I do with my staff, I'm a wonderful staff on Sunday mornings, so I lead them in a prayer where we just say, we just want to empty ourselves and strive to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We want to be wholly dependent upon God for the day. That doesn't mean that we're lazy. It doesn't mean that we don't prepare. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard, but it means we're going to make room for God as much as possible so we can be leaders who soar because when we're soaring, then it'll, it'll, it'll happen to you and it happens in our services. We want you to soar. I want you to soar. A key scripture for the series, and I think it's one that you should even be putting to memory is this right here as I close. Those who hope in the Lord, you're gonna renew your strength. You will soar, you will soar, you will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. You're gonna walk and not be faint. Hope in the Lord. That means holding on to God, calling on God, searching for God. It means trusting in God. It means holding out with fervent expectation and confidence that God's going to come through for you. To abide and live in that hope, that hope-filled faithfulness where you're just going to commit to this unwillingness to give up. And that's what I want for you. That's the strategy that will make you soar. It's this relentless, passionate pursuit 
of Jesus. I'd like for there to be no movement right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and reflect inward. Maybe you're here today hearing this message. Say, I want that. But I want to tell you, you need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You need Jesus first. You need, and if you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus, or possibly if you've just strayed away from him or moved away from him, I want you to be able to make the decision to come to Jesus now and today. If you want a new beginning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in a very simple way, and it's by lifting your hand. And by lifting your hand, I will see your hand, and I'll be able to connect my faith with your faith. And I want you to respond because Jesus died for you. He gave generously to you so that you could have life, and everything can change today. If you need Jesus, you want to give your life to Jesus and pray this prayer with us today, I want you to lift your hand to the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it so I can see. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. All right, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you lifted your hand, I want you to stand, but everybody else stand with me also. Come on. I want everyone to stand right here with me congregation of believers, I want you to say this prayer with, with those who lifted their hands. I want you to say this with faith and I want you to believe it. Come on, pray this with me right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. <laughs> Forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the hope of the future that you have for me. Thank you for giving me wings of an eagle to soar. It's time for me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a, a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, you could also just come and visit one of our services because I, I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.